0: What's happening everybody? We're jumping back into some leadership foundations. We began this months ago before I went on sabbatical. I got a break and now we're diving back in. Today we're talking about prayer. Now prayer can turn people off because we feel guilty or maybe we feel bored with our prayer life, but the long-term fruit of even a very slowly growing prayer life is so worth it. Now, I don't consider myself an expert. But I do want to share with you some secrets that I've found out about growing closer to Jesus through prayer. Let's get after it. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another Leadership Foundations course. Today, we're talking about prayer. Now, I want you to imagine that a master builder has invited you to help him build houses on an Indian reservation. He's going to take you through all the steps. He's going to be your mentor. He's going to show you how to do it all. He's going to show you how to go pick out the lumber, how to get the tools, how all the tools work together. He's going to lay out all of the plans that he's made and teach you how to decipher certain pieces of that. And he's inviting you to come build. But not only are you going to build, you're spending spend a lot of time together. You're going to go on lunch breaks together. You're going to have walks back to you with the place you're staying together. You're going to be sharing ideas and thoughts and even, you know, life stuff as you do these things together. That's a lot like what it means to pray. God has got a plan. God has got things that he's doing and he wants us to not only help him do the things, but he wants to relationally connect with us as we do it. And if you were to ask him, God, why are you asking me to come be with you as you do all of these works? And he's going to say, because I want you to know my heart. I want you to see my power at work. And I want you to know how I feel about things and how I do and how I am with you because I love you. Okay, so what we're going to talk about today is four ideas that will help you know Jesus more deeply through prayer. But before we get to that, i got to give you three presuppositions, okay? This is going to help you. Number one, a major purpose of prayer is managing God's power. This is what Adam and Eve were supposed to do when they were first put in the garden. They were to manage God's stuff, manage God's earth. They were to fill the earth and subdue it. And one of the ways that I really believe they were supposed to do that is by putting God's power on the different things that needed God's power in the world. My lawn, I don't know how this works for you in the summer, depending where you are, but my lawn, often there'll just be not enough rain, and the lawn will start to look yellow. There's patches of yellow at first, and then if we go too long, there just becomes patches of green because most of it is becoming yellow. But every time, if you just put on the sprinkler and begin to water that thing, it comes back to life. It comes back to uh, green. And that's a lot how prayer works. There's just stuff that isn't working. It's not, uh, you know, changing the way we want it. And God says, you need to manage my power. There's situations across the earth that put my power on that thing. Bring that thing to me in prayer and we're going to partner. I'm your mentor. We're building this thing and we're going to put the power on it and it's going to grow. And often... God will withhold answers to prayer because we're kind of not really very intentional about it. We're, we're, well, you know, I hope God does that. We kind of make it a hope instead of even a prayer. And God's like, no, I want you to take responsibility. I made humankind the managers of my power. God is not just executing his plan. He's doing his plan through humans. And part of the way he does that is through prayer. Here's a second presupposition. The other major purpose is growing relationally closer to Jesus. At the end of the day, my friends, we're not going to grow very close to Jesus long term if we're not praying. Praying is how the relational part of his mentoring us happens. There is a family circle that happens at family reunions on my mom's side. Okay, I won't bore you too much with the details of that, but we go to these family reunions from time to time, and there's several nights, and there's usually camping and around a campfire. But what's unique about this particular context that I've never experienced anywhere else is there's like 15 people around the campfire, maybe 20 sometimes, big old circle around the campfire. And there is just a sense of like, hey, nobody has to say anything. We just all like each other. We all love each other. And there's moments of, wow, we just went like five minutes and nobody said anything, but nobody felt like they needed to. It wasn't an awkward silence. And sometimes with prayer, that's what's happening. We're drawing near to Jesus. Sometimes we're very much like, oh God, I got to pour out my heart before you. But other times we're just sitting there or standing there, just holding, he's holding us in the presence of the Lord as we focus on the reality that he's really there. And that doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. And that joy is real. And God wants us to not just build things through prayer, but to enjoy his presence through prayer. Here's a final one that's really important, I think really important for this day and age as well. Number three, presupposition. Without prayer, you're going to have much anxiety because prayer is about rearranging you in God's presence. Remember, God isn't just about building the little houses. Uh, He's about actually fixing us while we're going through this together. We all get anxiety. And, you know, certainly there's... There's, uh, you know, medicine sometimes that is involved in that. Maybe there's a chemical imbalance. But there's, there's natural anxiety that just comes from being on planet Earth. We're not talking about anything severe. We're just talking about normal anxiety. And in those cases, there's fears coming at us. There's worries coming at us. And sometimes anxiety is actually a trigger. God's saying, I need you to come pray. Like I'm trying to teach you, you're to cast all your anxiety on me because I care for you. And I'm teaching you to deal with world with the world, not by medicating, not by grabbing something to drink, but by bringing it to the Lord so he can calm your heart. There's a quote, and I don't know who said it. Maybe if you know, you can, you know, you can tell me, but it goes, when the world is out of order, put the man in order and the world will come back in order. What it's talking about there is we get discombobulated on the inside, but if we will get with Jesus, He will, through prayer and through time and God's Word, put us back together. And then the world will seem a whole lot more tolerable. So if prayer helps us connect with God, let's talk about four ideas that will help you know Jesus deeply through prayer. Here's the first one. Importunity demonstrates faith. Sometimes in a way that quick answers doesn't. Importunity demonstrates faith. This importunity, that means persistence. It means really going after it. It means I'm not going to settle for once or twice talking to the Lord about it. I'm going to keep going and keep going and keep going. I'm going to keep on asking. I'm going to keep on knocking. Luke 11:5. 5, Jesus gives us this parable that really helps us understand this. He says, suppose one of you is a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before them. Now, in ancient Near East culture, that would have been a big deal. You don't turn away a guest, okay? You try to have something for them. So he's like, I'm going to run to my neighbor, and maybe he can help me out. Verse 7, and from inside, he answers, do not bother me. The door's already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up. I can't give you anything. I'll tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his persistence. He will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be open for you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And him who knocks, it will be open. This is sometimes hard to internalize. Why does God want me to keep praying? Well, the Bible gives us some clues. Sometimes it's just about God's timing. Sometimes there's Angelic warfare going on that our our prayers are actually affecting, like Daniel. Um, sometimes we haven't fasted enough. I've actually had certain strongholds in my life that only weaken when I fast and pray about them, not even just pray. So we don't want to, we don't want to presume to know everything about what goes on in the spirit, but sometimes it's just God is saying, I want you to grow your faith. And it takes a little faith to pray once. But it takes a lot of faith to pray for several years. Think about Isaac. His, the, child, the children who were supposed to come through him, Jacob and Esau, they were already like prophesied. They were already promised. They were part of the line that would lead to the Messiah. And yet he had to pray for 20 years for those kids to come along, even though it was something God wanted to do. We don't totally understand why. All we know is importunity is necessary. This is why. So a little application. Prayer lists can be really important. Now, I'm a believer that sometimes the anointing falls off of prayer lists and we can't we can't just do repetitively the same thing every day. But just having, hey, here's my prayer list or here's my prayer cards for my kids, here's my prayer cards for my work environment, here's my prayer cards for these people I'm hoping are gonna come to know Jesus Christ. That can really work. There's an, an app, at least, you know, up to date right now when I'm recording this, <clears throat> the Echo Prayer app. That helps us at fierce, you know, pray for different ones and pray for the church and, and, you know, just different priorities. And it's, you know, kind of technological. So you can scroll through and it randomizes it and that kind of thing. But all those are just tools that we can do to pray with importunity. Don't give up because we'll see the the right answer at the right time. Here's number two. Prayer is where I surrender to God's will. Hey, man, look, um, God is going to be determined to teach us. He's the one with the plan. Remember the, the metaphor? He's our mentor. He's teaching us, here's how we build the houses. He doesn't show us the whole plan. He's got the plan. He's showing us how to put in this thing or put in that thing through prayer. But he's like, hey, I've got the plan. And you can ask for stuff, and sometimes we'll throw a window up just because you asked. But other times, God says, no, that's getting away from what I want. We need to do what I want. And prayer will change us to surrender. But we got to come to prayer knowing Okay, I do want what I want, but I've got to surrender that to the Lord. Luke twenty-two forty-two. 42, here's Jesus. Jesus himself demonstrating this for us. Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. So there's just a, a, a surrender component to prayer. Here's number three. Connecting prayer to God's word is a double blessing. This one is awesome. This one intentionally grows your character. This is where we're really changing because we're we're taking both the Word of God and prayer and we're putting them together. It helps us be directed. It helps us be corrected. It helps us think like God thinks because, remember, He doesn't want to just get the job done. He wants to transform what and who we are through prayer, and that comes through the Word. John 17, 17, Jesus says, He's praying to the Father to sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. We get more godly, which is part of God's purpose for us. We get more godly through prayerfully meditating on God's word. Here's one way that we do that. It's by bringing God his promises. Did you know that one of the things we do is we remind God of his promises? Now, when I was first saved and I heard that, I was like, why do I got to remind God of his own promises? Doesn't he know his promises? He does, and I don't know entirely why this works, but I have experienced the benefit of it. When I come remind him of who he is, maybe it's because I've reviewed it. Maybe it's because he wants me to you know, come to him and, and base my requests on his word. I'm not really sure, but I know that it ends up being true. I remember when I was um, early on as a Christian, I was in this apartment, and there was just there's cockroaches in it, man. And I was on a futon really low to the ground, and I was always like, Oh God, please don't let any um, cockroaches get on me. And by the way, I'm in a bad neighborhood, so don't let anybody murder me in the night. And I would confess this verse, Proverbs 19, 23. Fear of the Lord leads to life, bringing security and protection from harm. And I would remind God of that promise every night. God, you say that if I fear you, you're gonna protect me from harm. I know that that's not true in every case. We're still gonna die. But it's an example of God, I'm bringing you your promise and I'm praying your promise back to you. But there's also just praying through the Word while we're reading it. So I want to give you an example of something Martin Luther used to do. There's four components to how he prayed through Scripture. It was instruction, thanksgiving, confession, and prayer. And this is something you can do with a single Bible verse. I'll give you one of mine recently. Recently, I've been going through Philippians 5 verse 4, which says, "...let your gentleness be evident to all men." Now, I've just had some patience tests recently. You know, there's, I'm just tempted to respond in like, not so gently sometimes. And so I've got to pray through this passage. So first, the instruction part, that is just try to summarize it in your brain. What is God trying to say to me through this? Well, he's trying to say, Carter, um, you need to watch out being sharp with people. Instead, represent Jesus' gentleness to people, not your own unsanctified personality. So that's the instruction part. That's number one. And then, Begin to thank him. So I just think through this this text, how do I thank God for that? Well, God, I thank you for the times you've given me grace to be gentle. Um, I thank you for times you've shown me, given me a better example through maybe others, through some of my mentors. I think of certain people like Scott Chapman or Brian Davies that have really demonstrated the gentleness of Jesus to me. God, thank you for guys like that. Then I confess. Lord, I'm confessing with this one scripture verse. I have not been gentle lately, and probably there's there's more ways I've not been gentle than I'm even paying attention to. So I spend some time confessing, and then prayer. Lord, would you grant me the grace to be more gentle when I'm in that moment, when I'm about to, you know, lose my cool a little bit? Help me remember how would Jesus represent His gentleness in the midst of this frustration. And you can take any text you want and just go through that very same thing. Hey man, what's the point? Um, what, what? How do I thank God for this? What do I need to confess about this? And then what do I just want to pray it into being in my personality? You can spend, dude, you can spend an hour on one verse just with the Lord meditating. Sometimes if we're looking for something to do in your time with God. we'll just go through all your highlights and pray them through like that. You'll have a good time, man. The Spirit of God will anoint that thing. Here's the fourth and final way we draw close to Jesus through prayer. Expect to hear from God. You won't always, but expect to hear from God knowing you may be wrong. This helps us connect with the fact that God really does want to speak to us. And we need to know, we need to go into prayer expecting God speaks to my heart. Now he doesn't always speak and he doesn't always speak in the same way. Sometimes he'll bring something to mind. Sometimes he might show you a vision. Sometimes he just gives you a calm sense of peace. Other times he brings back a scripture, you know, to your mind. There's lots of ways he does it. And it's important for us to know, God speaks to me. This is, this is one of the privileges of being a Christian. God speaks to me, hallelujah. But also, I need to know I may be wrong. Nobody's always right. God is always, but I'm not always. God is always right, but I'm not not always right. There's examples in the Bible. There's places like 2 Samuel 7 where Nathan tells David, hey, I'm the prophet of God and I'm telling you God is with you. Go ahead and do all that's in your heart. But then he walks away and God's like, actually go back and tell him you were wrong. This is actually what God wants to do. It's something different we can be wrong about what we're subjectively hearing from God. The word of God in the scripture is never wrong, but because we're fallen, we can be wrong with what we're discerning. First Corinthians 13, nine says, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. Jeremiah 17, nine, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure who can understand it. It's tremendously healthy to know I am beloved and God wants to speak to me, but I'm really not dependent on me being right about what God is saying. I'm depending on God's goodness and faithfulness to me, knowing that I will be wrong from time to time. Sometimes it's me, sometimes it's God, and sometimes it's the devil. And you need to know things that you you would selfishly want to be God can just be you. Growing in that discernment, dude, it takes many, many years. It takes a lot of time in God's Word. It takes a lot of feedback from other godlier people. So let me just caution anybody who's, who's maybe a little bit newer at this, a little bit younger. Dude, if you are hearing things and you're like, I'm just always writing, God's always speaking to me, and everything I hear is God, precious, you're just wrong. That's, that's ridiculous and dumb, okay? That's how cults start. Greater men and women of God than you have jacked some considerable stuff up by thinking everything that comes into their head is God. It is not God. Tether yourself to the scriptures, not to whatever spiritual things are going on in your brain or even in your spirit, because the devil is real. Okay, and he's always if he can appear to a if he can appear as an angel of light, then he can appear in some way that's going to try to make you think it's God and it's not. We know the voice of God by is that the kind of thing God would say in the Bible. If it's super judgmental about somebody, if it's super angry at somebody, God doesn't. He's not going to say that, and he's definitely not going to share it with you. Okay, he's going to handle that with them on their own. So let's all take a chill pill and be humble and enjoy the privilege of. God speaks to me and I'm learning over the years to discern what's him and what's not. But I'm confident also that because he loves me, he actually does speak. So let me give you some prayer books that have really been helpful for me. The first is A Praying Life by Paul Miller. This probably isn't my very favorite, but it does the best of making prayer seem more natural just in everyday, day-to-day life. If you want to like get better at conversational prayer throughout the day with God, this one's really good, man intercessory prayer by Dutch sheets that is one that is really good and, and crunchy theologically but it's really about stuff like managing God's power and binding and loosing and and praying against you know demons with spiritual warfare. It sounds a little heady but it's actually really good and thick and rich stuff And then finally prayer by Timothy Keller. This is just another good one. It's a good basic like hey here's a lot of components to prayer that will help you and encourage you in your walk. I like the other two better, but the Tim Keller stuff is just good classical stuff on prayer. So what do we learn? Four ideas that will help you know Jesus deeply through prayer. Number one, importunity demonstrates faith. Sometimes we're not even really walking in faith until we've prayed for a while still believing. Number two, prayer is where I surrender to God's will. Number three, connecting prayer to God's word is a double blessing because you're getting the prayer and the presence and God's word. And then number four, expect to hear from God. You won't always, but expect to hear from God knowing you may be wrong. All right, guys, I'm going to release a course soon on prophetic listening prayer. There's kind of a part two to this, okay? There's there's a deeper, you know, praying, seeing visions, doing the stuff where we're genuinely hearing some awesome stuff from God. And how, how do you like minister to people for that? How do you grow in some of that discernment? We'll put that out soon. That'll be a part two. But until then, this is the building blocks of everything in your entire Christian walk. So I want to encourage you, whether you're just starting out, whether you're going into many mature years, keep on praying, keep on developing that relationship with God because your mentor chose you to build these houses with called the kingdom of God on his planet. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you want to support the Fierce Leadership Podcast directly, you can go to patreon.com slash Leadership. Now listen, we need you to lead strong today, so go get them.